everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Paul Johnson and I are The Last Nighters. You can find us at lastnighters.com. And tonight we're talking American History X. This is episode 190 of the show. You can find the show notes more at lastnighters.com slash 190. Now for our guest tonight, uh, this is a selection that uh, he made and he is Nick, who is the producer and co-host of The Status Quo. And you can find that at thestatusquo.net. And he also creates music that is uh, found in many popular podcasts. And you can find that stuff over at uh, nickwhitenoise.com. And uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Why don't you just uh, tell anyone uh, anything else that I might have missed in the little intro? And uh, what made you pick this movie? What's up, man? Thanks for inviting me on. Um, I think you got it. Um, you know, I just, I just have been a fan of this movie for a long time. And I've... Uh, recently saw that well i looked it up and there's a lot of people talking about this movie saying that it's more relevant now than ever which i find hilarious because they probably think it's more relevant now than ever for the complete wrong reasons but um yeah i don't know i just i've never heard like a take on this movie from somebody who actually believes in liberty so yeah i don't know i figure a couple libertarian guys who do a movie podcast why not reach out all right. Well, that's a tall order because uh, I don't know how good we are at what we do here, but this should be a lot of fun. And I, um, it's a movie I hadn't seen in probably a decade and a half or so. So it was good to go back and watch it again. And I think it holds up really well. It's uh, it's a well done movie. Um, so thank you for suggesting it. It is one that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I also consider it kind of a third rail, <laughs> as uh, I'm sure we'll get into uh, some of those points as we uh, continue on here. But how we start off, Robert, is with mm. some sound wow. effects. Wow. American History X. <laughs> X, X, X. X going to give it to you. And I'm going to pull up the uh, description, the Google description. I think that's is that showing up yet. No, not yet. How about now? How you like me now? There it is. Okay. So Google description reads. American History X came out 1998, got an 8.5 out of 10 on that IMDb, 83% Rod Tomatoes, 62% on Metacritic, and 93% of Google users like it. The description reads, living a life marked by violence and racism, neo-Nazi Derek Vineyard, played by Edward Norton, finally goes to prison after killing two black youths who tried to steal his car. Upon his release, Derek vows to change his ways. He hopes to prevent his younger brother, Danny, played by Eddie Furlong, who idolizes Derek, from following in his footsteps as he struggles with his own deeply ingrained prejudices and watches their mother grow sicker. Derek wonders if his family can overcome a lifetime of hate came out October 30, 1998 directed by Tony K and uh, significant editing by Ed Norton actually. And there's some controversy around that where uh, Tony K, the director disowned the film and uh, got blacklisted in Hollywood <laughs> as a result of uh, his difficulties in um, being uh, hard to work with. But I think he did a fine film here. And Robert, let's go to you for your opening salvo, please. All right. Well, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about this film, but I'll do my best. Uh, I'm sure that there are some some big brains out there that have said some very smart things. But all I've done is I've watched the film. Uh, I remember seeing it a long time ago. And the thing that stood out to me, as I recall, is just the initial uh, carjacking killing. And then there's some prison stuff and then some partying and that's about it. Maybe the, the death at the end, but watching it again recently, I was struck by how well written it was. Um, I don't, I can't necessarily speak to 
mm, how accurate, you know, the the neo-Nazi rally meetings are or what exactly their ideology is or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, the main thing that I was struck by and I want to I do want to get into the you know, the, the property rights issues, the libertarian aspects, the MAP, that kind of thing with the, the killings and other things like that. But I was mostly a little bit disappointed because it seemed to be that Derek was this, you know, he's, he's this guy, he's, he's a pretty bright guy and he has some tragedy in his life where his, his father is killed by some gangbangers or something like that. Who's trying to put out a fire. So he's got some trauma in his life and he falls under the tutelage of this neo-Nazi uh, propagandist guy who kind of like, whatever, he has this little clan of Nazis wannabe people. But Derek really is this almost a, almost a positive he's like almost like the turning your life around kind of a person like no be a shining beacon of what a person could be and be proud of your race and that kind of thing uh, if, if he was a black guy and he was yeah i'm gonna be the best i can be and i love being black and blah 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 then i don't i don't know anybody would have a problem with this but since it's a white guy and he hates all these other groups then we're like yeah this is I, I'm with him on the, you know, eat right, eat vegetables, take your vitamins, work out, that kind of stuff. But when well, work hard it, and care about your community, like those are some of the other things he sort of talked about. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, and 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 one of my problems with the movie is because there's a scene, and I want I, I really want to dig into this scene. I don't remember all the dialogue, hardly any of it really, but there's a dinner scene where he's arguing about they're arguing about the Rodney King thing and he actually i think he actually makes a lot of strong points about personal responsibility and uh i, I don't remember all the stuff but i remember him making a lot of strong points but then he takes it to the next level where i i wouldn't go and at the end of the movie he renounces like all of that like everything he's like i'm just done with it i'm not gonna be a part of this neo-nazi stuff anymore and from an audience perspective, at least from my perspective, I'm left to wonder what exactly is he renouncing? Is he renouncing just hanging out with these neo-Nazi people? Because that's what he physically actually does. He's going to move on with his life. He's not going to hang out with these neo-Nazis anymore. But is he like renouncing all his previous ideas? Because some of those ideas are pretty good. Whoa, like, whoa. They were. <laughs> I'm not into it with all the, the Hitler loving stuff, obviously. <laughs> But taking care of yourself, taking care of your community, mm -hmm. having personal responsibility, uh, owning up for your actions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but but in, in present age, right, those are actually signs of so quote well, unquote sure. white supremacy now. Sure. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. one of the Being things on time. Like, yes, yeah, I understand. stood out to terrible. me because uh, it, it felt like just because we know he's the bad guy in the film. I mean, yeah, he has this redemptive arc, but just going into it, you know, he's the bad guy with the bad ideas, yet he's making a lot of points that an objective viewer would be like, yeah, that's a not awful point. You know, he, he maybe takes it too far or attributes um, malice or causation and hatred. So he takes it, you know, several steps too far, but it almost is like, 
this movie as a um, media as a vehicle of pr promulgating ideas into the uh, into the culture is almost making all of those topics third rails. Like just because the right, bad by guys brought guilt him by up. association type stuff, right? Right. So, like, say at the end where the affirmative action speech from the dad. Yeah, like that's, that's I the, definitely the, want to talk about that. That's supposed to be the culmination of here's where Derek the, got his bad right. ideas. That's where it started. It all started with questioning affirmative action, and that started the ball rolling of him being a neo-Nazi. Right. That's the, it's <laughs> it's the slippery slope uh, gateway drug to uh, being a skinhead. Right. So anyway, I didn't mean to derail you, but I just wanted to make that point that it really felt like culturally this movie is there to sort of frame the debate of what's acceptable and what's not and so it makes certain subjects taboo even though they are i mean almost anything should be open to debate i know that that's not how the world works anymore um but uh it seems to me that you should be able to articulate ideas and explore ideas and learn about things and and have opinions right <laughs> you know? i mean that's that's one of the things i liked about the movie was that they turned Derek, they had him such a well-written character that they they made him intelligent. They made him not a cartoon, like cartoonishly evil. Like they had a really strong point of view. He had reasons, justifiable reasons for why he believed the way he did. But you're right, he was he is the villain character. So he takes it to the next level, right? That where most people would not go, takes it to that extreme. But he's not a he's not a cartoon, he's a complex protagonist slash villain character that I think he's entirely relatable to the audience. Um, so in that sense, I think he's, he's, he's highly well-written. Whereas uh, some of the ancillary characters, we don't get enough screen time for them to be really, you know, well-written. They're just kind of small time characters. We really just get Derek and kind of his brother, kind of maybe, and we don't really get many other people. We get a little of the sister and the mother and, and uh, Ethan right. Suppley a, a little bit. A little bit, but not, it's it's mostly just Derek's story. Uh, anyway, uh, it's good. I want to say that, but I, you're right. I don't like the way either the the filmmaker or the, the leftists who have like glommed onto this film to say, look, neo-Nazi bad. And this is all, this is like your point, like, and all these things that he's talking about are associated with nazism like it it, it, it right, goes like back to it goes back to the the larkin rose video like it, it can happen here i think it's called or where it, it or why are the here. nazis bad right where it's like the the difference between the nazis and like the u.s government or any necessarily government is just like like one degree of separation like this is just a slight little difference <laughs> otherwise it's basically the same thing yeah. you know like he's like a normal person but he takes it that little step further where you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because otherwise he's a fairly rational, intelligent human being, right? And even right. the the history professor guy really likes him, even though he's a neo-Nazi guy. Right, which, and he seemed to like the- The son, too, or the, the younger brother. Yeah, and, and they liked him as well. Like they had yeah, a yeah, yeah. respect for him. It was like, okay. Uh, but um, Nick, we'll, we'll bring in in just a second here. But one final point I wanted to make is that it's almost as if, all the Trump orange man bad syndrome that we started seeing in 2014, 2015, up to the 2016 election. It's almost as if all of those never Trumper orange man bads, they saw this movie. They saw him talking about similar things. They're like, oh, well, of course, he's a white supremacist Nazi um, skinhead orange man. Same with uh, Jordan Peterson. Like he right. talks a lot about self-improvement, cleaning your room, 
you know, taking care of yourself and your community. Sounds, sounds like Derek, except for the little bit extra. Right, right. And, and to your point earlier um, about, you know, imagine if it was a black guy or, or someone else saying these things and doing these things. Uh, I like to do that thought exercise in my head when I see like news articles talking about something being bad or something being taboo. Well, what if you just changed one of the words? Is it still bad? You know, and, and that, that is a good way of like divining, okay, what is the core of something? Is, is it, is it the principle at play or is it special, um, you know, special pleading? Indeed, Daniel, indeed. Anyway, Nick, do you Nick... have any comments on, uh, our messy little intro? Yeah, here? well, <laughs> I'm glad Robert went first and, uh, made it seem a little more because i didn't want to seem like oh man i'm such a fan of this movie it's like that, that sounds a little creepy i'm a big fan of the movie not because <laughs> i'm like a white supremacist train but yeah i mean uh you know i think that from the get-go the point was to make Derek a very sympathetic mm -hmm. character actually because like the very first scene he's like defending his home from rob from violent robbers essentially who have guns which is like a weird, like that. When I just watched it, I was like, "Huh, they're really trying to make you root for this guy who has a swastika on his chest." I, I, I'm assuming because I was not, not because of the swastika, because like you know, I'm a libertarian. I've been in the gun circles and stuff like that. So like, I'm like, "Oh yeah, what would you like?" The first guy he shot was the most justified, and the second guy he shot and later did the worst thing ever in film too. That was my, my teeth still <laughs> hurt just from that. Yeah. That was brutal. Um, yeah. That wasn't justified. And then I think shooting the guy in the car or whatever, I don't think that was really justified either. He was fleeing away. But like, um, I think it was supposed to make you like sympathetic to him because he's defending his home. And then also, I, I think the movie's interesting because in a way, it's kind of like who, I, I mean, pretty much Derek is the main character, but Danny's like the narrator, you know? And it's kind of like, it starts off with him in school and he's got, a, and he's writing the paper, American History X. So it's kind of like who's the main character, who's the story, but obviously it's mostly about Derek. So you know, that's not a huge important detail, but like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And uh, the also I noted, I I thought this too when they were having that, um, the dinner scene that you were talking about, Robert, with uh, with Rodney King, that that kind of sounds a lot like what right wingers talk about George Floyd today. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of lame, where he's like, well, he's. He's breaking the law, so who cares? You know, they can just kill him. Like, well, yeah, George Floyd might have been a piece of shit, but you know, maybe not. You don't have to like crush his lungs or whatever. Maybe, maybe doing the drugs influenced it, but like, you know, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of that. So it, I, there's some similarities, but then yeah, he does just take it that extra bit. He's got the tattoo. He he says the N word and the K word and stuff like that, and like, you know, um, but everything else, yeah, like the dad. You know, whenever I watch this movie with like family members around or something, they're like, oh, he's actually, what's the problem with this? He's making a great point. I'm like, well, just wait like five seconds and then, yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, most of it is like good points. It's just, it it's, and then it ends in like collect, like the problem is like collectivism. It's like, well, black bad. It's like, there's no thought of, like even the sister in the uh, scene with, with Rodney King stuff, she was talking about systemic problems. It's like, yeah, there are, there have been systemic problems that's not the cause of every problem ever, but like there have been, so it's worth talking about. He just blows it off. Like that's, that's pretty lame, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I'm a fan of it. I think it actually makes you, I think the overall message of like being a racist slash being a collectivist is bad is like a, 
good message. I mean, I'm not like I'm not rolling my eyes at the movie because it's telling me not to be a Nazi. Um, I'm rolling my eyes at the fact that society is like, oh, my God, there's Nazis everywhere. Like like in the movie American History X. It's like, <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> you know right. Yeah, there's like a few thousand of these guys. And like you were saying in the pre-show, they're now into what the paganism or something like that. Or at least some of them are, or some shoot offshoot of them are. I think all that stuff is sort of more like a justification of like um of like the overall like deep ideology. And it it's it's almost not worth talking about, but it would be a cool like all the stuff that they believe it like and that and that's probably only the smart ones, like the really smart ones, like a Derek might have believed this stuff if he were he might have believed this stuff you know as far as i know because it's like a lot of i had to listen i listened to like eight hours worth of youtube videos because it was because not because i was like oh this is awesome i was just like oh this is like a lord of the rings type of movie or something the way, the way they're going on about like their whole history so i was like that's kind of cool you know but uh that's that's a totally separate conversation it's you know i i doubt any of them today actually th- there's probably like 12 of them who think this stuff and they're probably like the higher ups, you know? Well, it is interesting. I mean, the, the, the entire rise of gangs at all, or especially like prison gangs, it's for, you know, vulnerable individuals to seek protection from anybody, really like anybody that's willing to have them for the most part. Like even in when he goes into jail, he he's not a member of any gang, but everybody says and everybody pretty much understands that you have to join up with somebody. You need somebody to watch your back, protect you, or else you could you're you're basically vulnerable at risk for anybody yeah. that wants to take you out or do harm to you. And that's a lot of the same is true for youths. Like, I mean, I don't know where 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 is he growing up here in like Los he's Angeles in, or Venice Beach or something? Yeah, Venice <clears throat> Beach. So he's in like the L.A. area, I think. Which can get pretty rough. I mean, well, they especially... said at the beginning of the movie, like, oh, this used to be a great place. Now there's a lot of gangs. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of got to pick a side, I guess, you know? Right. And 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 I think the, the gangs and maybe even this Nazi ideology kind of gives, uh, and much in the same way that, uh, like that, uh, what, what is that? What are those? Um, I can't remember the name, but they're those. Uh, the black Zionists or something like that that you're around yelling at oh, people. The black Hebrew Israelites. Or there you go. Those yeah. are the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like, you know, they give people, uh, you know, disaffected, young, vulnerable kids, a sense of identity, a sense of pride in a history, whether that's their history or not or something, but they identify with that. So I, what you were talking about with them researching history of the Aryans and that sort of thing, it's something to look at, I guess, and point to and be like, oh, I come from a long line of awesome people. So I right. could see the appeal in the message. But, you know, obviously, I'm not down with the, the collectivist, racist, authoritarian or, bullshit crap. Or what the Nazis actually did. And I, and that's what a lot of that research is kind of ends up at, like. Because there there are legitimate, I guess, um, Asatru, that's the religion, believers who are not down with all the uh, racist stuff. Like they like denounce white supremacists, but they actually still believe in like the fact that they believe that Aryans were like white giants who actually built the pyramids and stuff like that. Like they still believe that, but that, you know, if you were going to believe in that religion, like, and they're probably the left wingers of that religion, like that's probably the way you should believe in it because it's pretty pointless to be like, well, 
just because I believe some white Aryans built the pyramids and stuff, that doesn't mean that uh, we have the right to like invade Poland and France and, you know, kill a bunch of people. Like that's a little, that's kind of a stretch. Right. And it, it I, I mean, I, I haven't, I don't know if have either of you guys actually listened to a translated Hitler speech. Cause I imagine and like, I imagine that, you know, a fair amount of it is, you know, blaming the Jews for the, all the ills of Germany, the, the blaming the, the French and the blaming the Treaty of Versailles for the World War One stuff, the, the, what happened to Germany after World War One, But and then also blaming the Jews for all the, the financial shenanigans that they can get involved with. But a lot of it, I think plays up on the history and the the idea of the Aryan Superman and kind of this self-empowerment message of, yes, we are Germans, we are awesome, kind of the same message that like these identitarian gang groups give to their people. Like, yes, we are awesome. We can do things. You know, you're not a loser. It's, It's an old message. And it, it seems to be able to be used against people by some twisted megalomaniacs uh, to strong effect throughout history. Yeah, yeah I mean, not... they basically. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say I'm not I'm not too familiar with uh, the translated works of uh, A. H. Um, but I yeah. have seen a, a speech like somebody went to a campus and got a bunch of people cheering, and he was basically saying Hitler quotes. And it was all these progressive leftists who were like cheering him on because, I mean, they're cherry picked, obviously. So there are things that that they would uh, advocate for. Um, socialist bits. Yeah, yeah, and and <clears throat> you also see a lot of that with um, the Hitlerian uh, economic policy. It's it's basically like what we have here in the U.S. You know, this corporate sort of merging with government and and self, you know, regulating. Uh, their own industries through experts and things like that. Um, Tom Woods had a had a speech on the economics of Hitler's Germany that uh, I mean it was basically like Bernie Sanders' economic plan, essentially. Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, as we know, that Germany was forced to pay all those war reparations for World War One, and they were massive. So anybody that came along. And kind of riled up, got everybody's confidence back. It was probably a, a welcome message for everybody. Yeah, and then there's the you know blaming uh, a group of people, right? Having the scapegoat and then depersoning them, othering them. Which um, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, history's repeating and or rhyming uh, these days. Um, but you get in trouble for saying that even. So I don't know, yeah. man. Yeah, hopefully you guys don't get deplatformed. And also, like, uh, man, I mean. To be honest, I would rather because like the not this is a point that I thought that I came because like the Nazis, they're not I don't even really call them Nazis today. I mean, the NRX, like, you know, alt-right guys of today, I would much rather have them than like the dudes from like this movie, because I think there actually was kind of a like a heart punk rock, hardcore, like Nazi. They're pretty violent in like the 80s and 90s type of thing. But like the dudes today are just like, oh yeah, I just wanna, I believe my weird beliefs, but like I, I just want to prove how like legit I am. I work out a lot, I drive a motorcycle, and like I love my family. <laughs> it's like okay, well, 
and I hate whatever race and I'll, I'll, I'll be a troll online and just like make fun of them online. And that's, that's my, you know, it's like, okay, well I can live with that, <laughs> you know, versus like the actual Nazis, you know, that's basically the whole. Right. The, Cause the, it, know, cause it sort of takes away things. a lot of the collectivizing and the downstream of the political, you know, apparatus. Yeah. Affecting have no things. political power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you brought up uh, the the dinner. I know Robert wanted to get into that a little bit. Um, I just wanted to make one point, and that is the sister who's like, what about the inequities and the systemic problems that cause these problems? And yes, while there are certainly systemic problems that cause these things, and there are things that in popular culture or in the mainstream narrative are called systemic racism. But in my opinion, those things are not the actual systemic racism like that's sort of like this uh, red herring. The actual systemic racism is the drug war. It's regulations. It's licensing to you know have a, a hair salon. It's things that take away opportunities that people would otherwise have had. So when you take away their opportunities, they're left with fewer options. And then you have this illicit drug trade that looks pretty lucrative. And uh, you know you're off to the races as far as going down a bad path because all of the above board paths have been uh, regulated away from you. Right. And then you have the violence because you can't exactly go to the cops with your inner gang issues. It, it's definitely uh, explainable through the fault of governments. Right. It's and the whether it's their intention or not, majority it, of things. and it may or may or may not be their intention, but it is a likely outcome. It sets the stage. It, it provides the incentives. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's just when I usually hear like people talk about systemic racism, my, my gut reaction is like, what are you talking about? And then usually what they're talking about isn't like real, like capitalism is the problem or whatever. But uh, there are, you know, systemic, uh, there are government sponsored uh, institutions and bureaucracies that are actually uh, creating these a lot of these problems. For sure. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, they end up sounding like uh, the opposite of what's his face, Derek's dad. I mean, it's because like Derek's dad is, you know, they, they, uh, like they'll say like, oh, well, why is there enough black people in so and so industry? It's like, well, maybe they didn't want to do that. <laughs> you know, there's not that, you know, there's way less black people. So, you know, but is that, you know, his, and that's the thing about the movie is like it makes a lot of legit points. And I, I don't think they put that in there you know, entirely to, I guess they could, but I don't think they necessarily put them in there to make all of their good points automatically be bad just because they're associated with it. Mm. I mean, if they're like super, super leftists, then maybe, but they make, but like, there's so many people who I know who don't, they like, they love the movie and they're not like raging leftists, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, they make some good points, but yeah, obviously it's bad to be a Nazi. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, you know, it's, um, but yeah, yeah, I just think the movie makes so many good points and then they just go off the cliff, you know, of collectivism, violent. It's really the violence. I mean, it's if it's voluntary, like they can be voluntary white supremacists and that's like okay, you guys are losers, but whatever. Like that's how the not that's like how the NRX dudes are today. Like the dudes with the they will not replace us, dude. It's like they had one rally. Big deal. They they're basically nonviolent from except for the guy with the you know synagogue shooting or whatever, but that was horrible. But like most of them are just nonviolent, just 
whatever, you know, that they have no political power whatsoever. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that, um, at, at one point Derek is, he is, uh, like leading a, like a meeting he's in, he's like on some basketball court and he's got some guys and it's like at night and he's given everybody like a powwow speech, like a rah, rah powwow speech. And he's, he's mostly complaining about government policies about what, like he's talking about how, uh, what was he? I don't even remember all the things. I probably should take more notes, but I think he was talking about immigration. He talked about immigration a lot and welfare and that kind of thing a lot. And, a crime, but you know, I, I enjoy Derek for his like self-help message and like, Hey man, take care of yourself, be a shining example, a beacon, whatever, that kind of thing. But then when he starts blaming disparate groups as the cause, uh, that's my big problem with a lot of these Nazis is that they blame these other groups for the ills of society and the ills of, like their own problems. Like I, I can't succeed because the, the Jew is keeping me down or something like that. I mean, I don't know. They probably don't use that language. They'll probably make a more nuanced point than that. But what they're seem to be essentially saying is that it's not my fault. And it's kind of at odds with their self-help message, like be a shining example, but yet there's all these problems caused by these. other. I mean, that's, first of all, that's something I do all the time. I, I also talk about a self-help message and I also claim that there are all these problems created by these other groups, mostly by governments. Um, I think maybe because I'm, um, I don't even know. What's my point here? That well, They don't have to be mutually exclusive, Robert. I mean, you can be, you know, doing all the right things and still be getting screwed over. Right. So are, are you saying that you agree with Derek in that situation then? Well, I'm just saying that, that even if he's talking about this empowering message, that doesn't exclude him from saying that there are all these problems caused by these government policies. Like, right. But he's also talking, right. Those are not mutually exclusive, but he's also talking about, I I don't remember if, did he actually say the, the Jews were doing something or the blacks were doing something or the Latin Latinos were doing something. I forget, but he was saying things like that to that extent. Right. Hmm. No. Yeah. I wasn't taking all the notes on, on all the rhetoric. <laughs> I, I just remember he was saying like, Oh, Hey, you used to work here. And then this Mexican dude started working. Oh, here right. and took your job. He took your jobs, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Know, and then, and then they raided that store, um, which was pretty violent. I mean, there, there was a guy who was going to defend with a firearm. So, I mean, that could have gotten deadly. Um, so yeah, I he had say every these... right to defend it with yeah, a he firearm. He should yeah. Have. Uh, so it's, it's weird because like Nick earlier, you were saying like the, the area he was growing up in used to be nice. And then these gangs moved in. And so then they formed a gang that sort of like restored some level of balance, but it, it seems like it didn't actually improve the situation overall. It just made sure that there were some competing powers. So it's not like Venice beach got better all of a sudden. It just got like, they didn't feel so outnumbered being the way they were versus the way you know, the other groups were. But it's not like the, anything was really much improved overall. Uh, it's not like Venice Beach became a nice area again. And it seems kind of like a Cold War situation, right? Where you've got this rise of power, grouping of power. And then to respond to that, these guys group up and gather up into a gang to kind of have this detente where 
it's almost a mutually assured destruction. Like nobody starts anything because they know there'll be severe yeah, repercussions. There's minor skirmishes. They, they settle certain things on the basketball court. That's how yeah, all mean, things should be settled. Like, all wars should be handled on the court. Yeah, you guys I mean, get it's, uh, it's like East Germany if I win this game. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was, that was probably the most unrealistic scene. <laughs> well, uh, a white dude and a like a really fat white dude and then taking on these like super athletic black dudes at basketball yeah that was that was not realistic <laughs> but uh you know th and that again it's like one of the scenes where you're like i'm rooting for this guy not because he has a swastika but because clearly he's an underdog you know <laughs> it's like he's by all rights should lose not and i don't support like his end game with winning but like you know I don't know. They all and that, that that'll be like another libertarian thing. Oh, well, they, you know, mutually agreed to it. You know, yeah, I think if they mutually agree to it, I mean, it's still a little messed up. But well, now um, what's messed up that, that they agreed like, all right, if we win the what the black dudes got to leave or if we lose the, the white dudes got to leave. And like the the black dude was like, all right, cool. I'll take that bet, you know, so oh, like him speaking for all the other black dudes. Is that what you mean? Well, it's. I, it's just messed up the implication. It's just like, all right, you, a certain race can't hang out here now. Uh, yeah, it is. It, I guess, yeah, it is for him speaking for all the other blacks. So, yeah, and what if some black kid comes to play and he doesn't know that he made that bet? I guess, but yeah, um, they can only speak for like their own group, right? But four or five yeah. of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wish the, you know, I'd, I'd rather everybody be able to get all, all get along, but at the Ronnie same King time. Quote. Why can't we yeah. all just get along? Why, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> but I am a, a firm believer in property rights. And uh, sometimes we can't just all get along. Sometimes we do have differences. Sure. And uh, maybe we should separate voluntarily. Absolutely. For, uh, I mean, segregation. Public property, though. So what do you do there? Shouldn't be public property. But <laughs> you're right. There is public. The, the basketball court is probably like a public park, you know? Oh, yeah, for so, sure. I should mean, be privately yeah, I mean, owned, but... I'm as I'm as like property rights as any guy out there, but like I think like we can talk all day about like oh this wasn't realistic or that well whatever. But it's like they made the movie, so in terms of the movie, I mean it's like yeah that's kind of a dick move to like even make that bet because especially because the black dudes were like oh well we'll totally win so yeah it's 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 laughable that you even think we'd lose but they lost so it was like oh you guys gotta leave which added to more racial tension you know. Not that, right. but I mean, but it did. They, yeah. Well, I, 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 it probably maybe at long, down the road added to more racial tension because then you're not interacting and like having fun together playing basketball. Elbowing but, each other in the face. Elbowing <laughs> each other in the face. But yeah, right. It, it, it ended the conflict there that day, though. Like, I don't know if the bet right. should have been, to, hey, you guys got to leave for today. That's but, a good way to think about it. Actually, it was a peaceful. You know, that's the way they peacefully ended it. <laughs> but the, the best thing about that scene, though, I always I always thought this was kind of it was actually really sad about the scene it, to me is like Derek is really about the game. Like, and you can tell he's like he's he respects the game. And he even like when the dude el elbowed him, he they were like, hey, you got to call foul or offense or whatever on him. And he's like, well, it's game point. You know, that's the street rules. You know, we don't we don't do yeah. that out here. And. They're like, oh, what? You can't let them get away with that. It's like he really respects the game overall. You could tell later on he's chatting with his prison buddy about basketball. He's stoked about it. So it's it's just sad because it's like those dudes might have you know gotten along, but just because of 
their collective is bullshit because both of them aren't heroes, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's just an example of uh, Derek who later on went in the prison and he sees some of the guys in his clique uh, going to some of the other cliques and doing deals. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't, he's not a true believer in this philosophy. So it's, it's showing us that while Derek's principles might be kind of fucked up, at least he has them. And he, he's pretty uh, adamant to adhering to them. Like he's a he's a true believer. He got really autistic about it. <laughs> yeah, he like, hey. he, uh, it risked his life, you know, and, and he popped his uh, yeah. his shower cherry in that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a little bit unrealistic because I think he was smart enough that he should have realized that a lot of people were just in it for yeah protection. Like, I, 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 if I went to a, a prison, I would be tempted to join some gang, oh, not because would. of what they believe, but because I don't want to get have raped to. in the shower, yeah. you know, repeatedly. Yeah, or you beat up in to. the workout yard or whatever, or mm-hmm. shanked in the mm-hmm. shower, wherever, you know, it it's a nasty place. You need allies. Yeah. And yeah, and Nick to your state prison. To your point, Nick, about yeah, maybe in another situation he would have got along with that basketball guy. Uh, we see that when he's doing the laundry duty. It takes yeah. like a year of that uh, what's his name, Montrell or something like that. He's like he's talking the whole time and Derek's just like quiet, just like stonewalling him, just doing the work. And then after about a year, he finally gets him to start laughing. And then by the end of it, they're very friendly. Like they're getting along. Uh, and, and that guy actually ends up saving his ass uh, until he can get out of the prison. Right. Because right. Derek, what, how did he lose the support of his, his gang? Because he, well, it had they, they, they like... beat him up. Why, why did well, they beat him up? Why did they rape him again? I forget. It had to do with what Daniel was saying about like the um, when he was being like super super principled, and one of the other guys in the group was was doing drug deals with like a Mexican guy, and he's like, "Hey, what the hell? I'm what, this bullshit. We can't support him." And uh, the dude gave him like the Zig Heil thing, and he just walked away. So they were like, "All right, he's a punk. Let's teach him a lesson." Basically. So he didn't Zig Heil back. So th- then they were like, <laughs> "We're gonna rape you." there were like two or three two or three things that derek did to let them know that he wasn't that, that he was going to preach at them or be overly principled versus what they wanted to do which was just they're in this loose coalition for the for the protection you know the mutual protection whereas he's in it because oh these are the skinhead guys so they must believe in the skinhead stuff and and he's still like yeah. big into that and when he realizes that they're not, he doesn't want to associate with them anymore. So he's like s- sort of foregoing that protection and shunning them. Uh, and, he, and he pays a price for it, you know? Yeah. And he, when yeah. he gets in there, he's, he kind of acts, you know, they kind of absorb him like he's hot shit. Like they're like, oh, we heard about you, you know, brother. And, you know, like, come on, like, obviously you're going to hang with us. You know, I, d- I don't know if <laughs> were they like, oh, yes, he killed you know, a black, he, he curb stomped a black dude. I don't know if they were really like, they're just like, Oh, here's another guy to add to our gang, I guess. Who's violent, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys, if it's clear to you who the guy who was curb stomped was, was he the guy who he was playing with basketball yeah. earlier? It, that was definitely him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I understood it to be. And I then think, at, I think, yeah. Cause it's hair. Okay. And then at hair. the end, when Danny gets shot, when I was watching the movie, I'm like, he got shot because he stood up to that group of guys who was beating up the other dude in the bathroom and he blew smoke in his face. 
Right. But then I saw a note online where it says, why did Danny get shot at the end? They said that it's because that guy was the younger brother of the guy who got curb stomped. Well, that guy Could th- be, but... that shot him was also at the basketball game. But I don't know. That's a separate one, separate basketball game. Like all the black and white is all um, in the past. past, In the past, yeah. Yeah. And and the basketball court scene where Eddie Furlong is seen by the guy who ends up shooting him is present day, like color version. Yeah. The funny thing about the black and white scenes, I I, I read this recently. It's kind of silly, but I guess it makes sense. It's like the black, the past, everything's black and white. And then now it's like, all in color like you see you see the real big pic like it was, it was black and white. yeah like that was the whole point maybe that wasn't the point but yeah the basketball game where he saw the kid from school like the bully that i think those were a different set of guys who were you know a few years later but he might be related to the guy who got shot i mean well that's what the internet need said. to be right yeah, yeah. i mean it could it be just he got be, shot because because he so was on the guy's re- radar it was revenge. They definitely know about his older of... brother. I'm, I'm sure they know about his older brother, you know, in school, you know. Well, if that's the case, then the movie didn't do a good enough job explaining that because it's felt. Yeah. It felt something. Yeah. You're <laughs> muted. Oh, there, there you go. My uh, my cable got unplugged. Sorry, guys. Oh, okay. Uh, it felt something. It felt that 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 scene felt unearned. Like I didn't see it coming, and they wanted it to be a surprise. But I think, if, from an audience perspective, you need to feel dread that that killing is coming. And I did not feel that at all. Oh, I did. I I think that they were doing a couple of things. One, they had those that group of guys drive by the house and do finger guns yeah. at the house. And there was another scene where yeah, he that was, was the older had... group, older guys. No, 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 he was, he was, he was with him. He was actually with the guy because they were, he was with the same guy. Like I'm assuming that guy he was with at the basketball court was like his brother or something. Cause he's like, Hey, is that the, you know, punk ass white boy who was messing with you at school today? Yeah. And uh, then later on, yeah, that those... was at the basketball game, right? Yeah. The first, the first one and you know, in color. And then later on, yeah, they're driving, past their house and they're doing the finger guns but actually you could kind of tell that that kid the younger kid he was kind of like you could in my opinion i think the younger kid was just trying to be a bully he was trying to be cool but i don't think he got to the point yet where he was like a violent killer or anything he kind of didn't i don't know maybe i read too much into it but like i just watched the scene where they drove past and he seemed like he's like eh, let's just forget about him that's the kind of face he made he was like man whatever well, and then when it happens, um, we're seeing Edward Norton feeling like he's under threat, right? There's a whole lot of like looking around. And, and so there's all this tension being built up that leads us up to, and it's sort of like a head fake, right? It's like, oh, we're supposed to be worried about Edward Norton getting somebody coming after him for what he had done at that party the night before. But yeah. mm-hmm. then That's it's like it. this sort of surprise that it's, Eddie Furlong who gets shot, but there is some foreshadowing to, to Furlong getting shot. At least two or three instances of that sort of being laid out. But there's that is head it, fake at the end. Do you really think that it it was that Edward Furlong had done anything to justify being shot in the bathroom at the end? Not no. at all. <laughs> okay, but he then. did disrespect that guy who was 
bullying was that other some kid. bully in school not right. bully, uh, he was murderer. bullying the older brother of the dude from that 70s show actually in real life really the guy who uh from malcolm in the middle like the oldest brother that's who that actor is i don't have like a weird thing with fate yeah that was that guy but anyways yeah <laughs> okay anyway I, and I don't necessarily I don't think it necessarily needs to have that much of an explanation. Like I know when I was a young man, I did a lot of stupid shit because I thought it would be, I don't know, fun, dangerous, exciting, whatever. And that was in a small town, not in, you know, a gang area. So okay. I, so oh so what what was the motivation for the kid to shoot Edward Furlong at the end? That he had been disrespected. So he was disrespected, so he goes straight to murder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's if that if you if that's good enough motivation for you, that's fine. It it was not good enough motivation for me. It's got it's got to be a combination though of like the disrespect and the fact that his brother is who he is. I yeah, would, I, I would think if 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 we got a scene where the kid like idolized his big yeah. brother and his big brother was like, "What you got to do is you got to kill that mother." Yeah, because that, you yeah, can't let him that, disrespect you like that. Blah 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 blah. Okay, maybe it's a little on the nose. I'm sure a better writer would, you know, take a second pass at that dialogue right there. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, give me a little bit more to make that scene earned instead right. of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, as it plays out, it just kind of happens, and and right. they do make there, you think it's going to be violence. Uh, but I bet you, everybody that kills anybody, even if they're a young dumb kid. They feel like they've got good reasons for doing it at the time. Maybe they, of course, I'm sure that a lot of them regret it afterwards, hopefully. But at the time, people have feel what they have are good motivations for doing things. Like and they want to get I, into the gang? Maybe. Maybe they, maybe it's a gang initiation thing and you had to kill somebody. That would have been a great scene to have in this film. And then there would have been some drama about whether or not he's going to do it or not. But I, I see what maybe this is part of the edit of the Edward Norton or a. What's the yeah, thing? They could have easily cut out some pivotal, pivotal thing there. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, the director actually had the director's the cut was going to be shorter, only be ninety minutes, and uh, oh, really. <laughs> and they asked him to um, add some scenes back in or something like that, and they gave him eight weeks to do it, and then he didn't do it, and so then Ed Norton did it, and he added a bunch of stuff that like develops the relationship between Danny and Derek. So this is really like. It's a redemption story sort of for both of them, but at different kind of spaces on, on their arcs, right? Because by the yeah. end of it, Danny has kind of seen the light, right? He's written this paper, American History X, which I didn't understand what the name of the um, movie signified until I looked it up today. The X is from Malcolm X because he used X because he didn't want to use a name that was given to him by white culture. So... X is an unknown variable in mathematics, so that's why X. So that's why American history X, American history unknown. I didn't know that until today. So <laughs> good on me uh, for a still learning. Movie. Still, still learning. Forty years old, that he's still learning. Still learning yeah. a few things. Um, anyway, it seemed at the end that Danny was like coming around. Right, he was now going to change his ways and, and be a good dude. Sort of like Derek had had turned around. Um, from his prison stint. Yeah, there's that scene where they tear down all the the Nazi stuff off the walls. I I didn't really feel like that was earned either. I 
I could see why Edward Norton wouldn't do it, but I didn't see why Edward Furlong would want to do it necessarily after just like that one conversation with his brother saying that he was raped by some neo-Nazis in prison. I don't know. Maybe. But I, I understand mean, I, the movie can't be 15 hours long yeah. either. So I think that his characters do I something. Think, I think uh, Danny Edward Furlong's character, it was I th- he kind of wasn't fully there like like Derek was. Like there was that scene where Seth, who is played by Ethan Suppley, big dude, um, he's like, "Hey, asshole, tell me who you hate and all this stuff." And he's filming it, and he kind of doesn't—he doesn't just jump right in and start doing. It. He's messing around. He's kind of making fun of the whole thing because he's a kid. And then he eventually says some stuff that's like—he says like one thing in his whole rant that's like a little bit racist. He's just like, "I hate that it's cool to be black." And then he says he hates Zionists, which I, you know, you can, there's, there's an argument for that. And um, that's legitimate. And then like, you know, he hate, and he says, cool it, Hillary Clinton with the rhetorical bullshit. So like, I don't think he's fully there like Derek is. So I, it's, it's a little believable to me that he's, he's easily swayed back to mm. not being a racist. Okay. Yeah, no, but, that's a good point. I, but I am with you on like the, I think it's just like a symbolic moment where they're tearing, they're, they're tearing down. There's some epic music. It's like, okay, we get it. Like they're, I don't think that that arc would happen that fast. In my opinion, I don't think that he would come out and be like, Oh, this is all total bullshit. I think he'd be like, yeah, whatever. And he would maybe, maybe still hang out with his girlfriend, maybe still hang out with his friends and just not. Um, but that's not the movie that was written, but like, you know, maybe right. just, you know, just kind of cool it and step back and not do violent stuff, you know? Maybe try to educate them. I don't know. But, you know, there's so many different things that could have happened. I, you know, we only got to deal with the movie that was written. But. Yeah, well, let's get into uh, any final points you guys want to make. because We're almost at time and then we can get into uh, final summary review. And I don't know if we want to give it like um, curb stomps out of 10. That's probably in poor <laughs> taste. Um, <laughs> how a number of uh, prison tats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or, oh, uh, they're folding. Uh, they're folding underwear. How many fold the towels? Many... Fold the towels. How about that? Yeah, how many fold the towels? There you Shows go. the underwear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have any more points. Uh, Nick, if you got anything. Uh, well, I actually had like one. I I think that we didn't really touch on the um, Sweeney is his name. The like the principal or whatever. Mm-hmm, he seems he seems pretty libertarian. Like. Um, Cause he, when like Derek's in jail and he's, and he's, he's talking about how he was, he's basically saying like, he used to be a big collectivist and he might've been like a black Panther or something. And he's like, it didn't do me any good to like, just blame society for all my personal problems. You know, I blamed God, I blamed white people and the government and like, you know, you're right to blame the government for quite a bit of it. But like, he kind of just snaps him to make him become an individualist again or something like that, or at least more individualist. So I would say he's pretty libertarian. And at the beginning, when Danny gets in trouble for writing the Mein Kampf paper, he's like, well, you know, Murray, you tough luck. You you assigned him, you know, you have to write a paper on anyone promoting, uh, what is it, civil rights or something. He, he chose Hitler. But it's like, you kind of backed yourself into a corner there. I, I thought that was kind of, that was kind of cool. That guy was pretty, princip- like, he was pretty open-minded, you know. He was kind of like the libertarian voice of the movie in a way. Yeah. And I kind of like that aspect of it. Like, why can't you talk about that stuff? If they're bad ideas, then yeah, put sunlight on them and show why they're bad. 
you know, but just to make something taboo that almost makes it like, like something to, to look at subversively and like it, it makes it more attractive in a way. For sure. And if you're a disaffected person who doesn't fit in anyway, you're going to be more interested in what is this stuff that I'm not supposed to look into? Yeah. Right. Right. And then you're not going to get like these counter arguments because it's all in the shadows. Exactly. Yeah, another reason not to, yeah, defeat it with straw man, you know, steel man, the arguments, right? Like a lot of, I don't know, denunciations of anybody these days, it seems to be, is to just call them racist. And then that's just a catch all for anything we don't like. And that's that, that doesn't make anybody, I think, change their mind because you're not actually dealing with their actual points. Like if you were to tell Derek, like you're just a racist, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, but you didn't address <laughs> any of the points I said. I just made right. about 15 good points and you just yeah. called me a racist. How is that an argument? Right. Yeah. It ends the argument. It ends the debate and it, it doesn't achieve anything. Right. So, yeah. Well, Robert, you want to lead us off with uh, your final summary review and how many towels you folded over there? Okay. So, uh, how do you rank this one? I think it's a well-made film for the most part. I, I think it can be used uh, from a variety of perspectives to forward any number of given agendas. I think you can use it a lot of different people. I think we've had quite a few movies where you can kind of use it as a teaching tool to forward any of your own particular viewpoints. Uh, it's a, it's a complex and it's a nuanced film. I, I, yeah, I didn't like the, the idea that, um, the, the father questioning affirmative action is, is, is the slippery slope to being a neo-Nazi. I thought that was, I thought that was a bridge too far for the script. I, I, I lost respect for the script at that point, but for the most part, it's really well-written. Uh, it's well-acted. Uh, uh, Edward Norton gives a fantastic performance. Uh, all the other ancillary characters do just fine. I don't know if there's any particular standouts, but it, you know, it's, it's nothing. There's no sore thumbs out there that it's like, what is this guy doing here? Um, all the characters seem to be fairly well believable, even if you're only getting little glim glim, you know, glimmers of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a very, Interesting subject matter, because these days in these hypersensitive times, if you say that the Nazis had any strong points to make, you're a horrible person and you are to be excommunicated from polite society when that just that does nobody any good. You have to steel man the arguments. You have to point out and agree with find points of agreement with even the most lost people sometimes. And so then you can convince them because just calling them racist isn't going to convince them of anything. It's just going to help them turtle back into their, into their shell. And you're not going to change their mind about anything. I think it's the, the laziest form of argumentation is to just add home. Even if you're correct, even if you're saying, well, you're a racist and he is, it's not going to change his mind about anything because he knows he doesn't care. He's, he thinks he's got really strong points as to why, uh, the blacks are this way or the Asians are this way or whatever. And I may think he's wrong, but 
I'm not going to just sit there and say he's racist. I'm going to say, okay, this is why, this is where we agree. This is where we disagree. And this is why I disagree with you on this part. And this is why you're going too far. So I, I think it's a, it's a well-written film. Uh, it's open for lots of really good discussion. We could probably go for a really long time. And I feel like I should have taken better notes because I, there's some like stuff where I just wish I had a transcript of the film I and mean, we could just go line by line, but that would just take forever. But this, this is one of those good films where you really could dissect it that much. So I'm going to fold uh, seven and a half towels out of 10 towels. And hopefully uh, the Nazis aren't going to rape me in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, careful what you uh, wish not for. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to jump off and then we'll go to you, Nick. Uh, this is a movie that I hadn't seen in a long time, like I was saying in the pre-show. And I'm glad that I saw it again. It holds up really, really well. It's it's very well done. It has some very nice um, arcs in it and some uh, cinematic tricks that kind of blend it together and, and make it work. I like that you open on this idyllic beach scene with uh, like the boys choir kind of music. And then you get into this like really intense, really visceral and violent movie that has uh, some really interesting um takes on things and then you kind of go out on the uh the beach scenes again so it kind of does a nice envelope of the movie uh ed norton is a powerhouse in this thing and it's uh it's i think he he uh, was nominated for uh, an academy award for his acting he didn't win but um i think uh, adrian brody did that year but really really well done um i'm I'd, I'd like to see more work by this director i know that he kind of blackballed himself a little bit uh as he was so difficult to work with on producing this um, but, uh, he has a really nice eye. I think he also did the cinematography for this. And, uh, so I would look forward to some more of his work and I'll look into it and see if there is more. And I'm going to give this eight folded towels or, or maybe four medium size uh, drawers and, and four large size drawers, uh, cause, uh, I'm folding the underwear in the early part of the movie. Uh, and how about you, Nick? Let's go to you for your submarine review. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the movie that was written, you know, not for like, you know, how I could compare it to life today. I mean, I liked it a lot and I think overall the message is good. You know, don't be a racist collectivist asshole. And, and look, I mean, the acting is amazing overall. And like, like you were saying, like they are, there are some really cool cinematic tricks. Like the music played a lot to it. Like the basketball scene, there's like this intense music. That's like, it's really just dudes playing basketball, but it sounds like, you know, it looks like it sounds like a battle, you know, but like, um, you know, but the arcs are really cool. Like when, you know, Edward Norton comes back. I mean, it's badass because he's like, he's good again and he fights people. And, you know, so it's, it's a really cool movie. I would probably give it also eight draws or folded towels, <laughs> um, probably eight or nine. Like, and I used to, I used to, it, it's weirdly, it sound it's going to sound bad, but it's a very quotable movie, I guess. And <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to quote it in public but like i've worked at like i used to work at a pizza place in new york and we just say messed up shit all the time there so uh that's probably where i heard about this movie actually but uh you know it's funny all the, like a lot of the the quotes are like really funny out of context but you know they're horrible things to say to people anyways it's really really well written i liked it a lot um i i pretty much watched it like every at least pro probably like once a year for like since i saw it so probably like 10 times i'd say so I thought it was a great movie. All right. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for bringing it up. And thank you for being our guest. It's been a lot of fun. We'd love to have you back on again in the future. Uh, as long as we uh, 
continue to do this thing that we call the uh, the Last Nighters podcast here, movie reviews from a free market uh, perspective. And um, Robert, next week we're going to be doing uh, something that just got decided moments before we went on, and that is Mike C coming back for Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, the George Clooney movie. You familiar with this movie? Yeah, it's got uh, what's his bucket playing um, an assassin, Barry. Barry something. He was like a game show host who was also a CIA hitman. Yeah, yeah. So he suggested the movie that, just for me to watch it. And then uh, we had what we were going to do next week. They had to push back a couple of weeks. So I was like, hey, Mike, we got an opening. So uh, he's he's down to do it. And so that'll be uh, that'll be next week. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind starring George Clooney, uh, produced by Steven Soderbergh and uh, Harvey Weinstein. Now, no, wait a minute. No, George Clooney is not the star of the movie. It's what's his name that's, that was in like Charlie's Angels and stuff. Well, you tell me, buddy. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to see it. Yeah, no, it's uh, Sam Rockwell. Oh, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah. You like him. Yeah, I mean, Clooney's in it. Uh, but yeah, the main character is, is Rockwell, who is, I think, Rockwell yeah. is dynamite in most everything he's in. I, I, he has an incredible screen presence. He's, he has a lot of fun in his characters. Yeah, so that, that'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, Mike C coming back for a fifteenth or sixteenth time. Um, so check it out next week when we uh, when we come back for that Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And Nick, people can find your work at thestatusquo.net for your co-hosting and producing abilities, and then also for your musical abilities, go to nickwhitenoise.com. And we'll of course have links to all of that on our show notes page at lastnighter.com slash one nine zero. And uh, thanks again. And uh, do you have any final words for our audience before we get into some Kathy and Overdrive, which is the Patreon bonus content we have for people? Oh, man. I don't know. Just uh, don't judge a book by its cover. This The <laughs> the movie has a dude with a swastika on his chest. It's like, it's it's a pretty good movie. So a lot of these, I, I saw this movie when I got into a lot of cult movies. So yeah, it's a great one. Check it out. All right. And yeah, check out my check out my music and my podcast too, if you want. Yeah, check those things out too. Highly recommended. All right. Well, that's it, everyone. So uh, we'll say good night from last night. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>